expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Well, welcome to the star-studded edition, episode 108 of the Down and Nerdy podcast, where if you ever get caught wearing the same thing as X-23 Laura Kinney, you know she'll claw your eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch stole my look. (laughs) That's right. You better watch that. Uh, Well, the only person we had to really worry about doing that is Mystique, because, you know, that's the only really shapeshifter that (laughs) can... Steal the look, Literally. Literally, word for word. not just the look, like the DNA and everything else. So. Every wrinkle and orifice, she's got it covered. Bitch stole my mutant powers. I can just imagine Joan Rivers as she was alive. Time for a new segment. Bitch stole my look. Or mutant, or, or brotherhood. That's what we call brotherhood. Stole my look. <laughs> Careful, we don't want to. We don't want to hurt the pipes there. I'm yeah, James with him alongside. Oh, alongside the Merkel one arm, Nick Pataglia, and yeah, my throat hurts. You need, you need water or something? Are you good? I mean, do you need to go to a house with the with stairs to go to nowhere? What's the deal? I just just alcohol. Alcohol will do it. All right, go with the Jack. I guess that'll that'll help you just as easily. Exactly. Gargle with it. But I mean, it was fun last week talking about House of Penance with Peter J. Tomasi, though. Exactly. I mean, we know the whole mystery house. That's what I like, too. You know, we can go back to some of our past episodes. Where we talked about like the paranormal and just stuff like that and ghosts in general. You know, it was really cool to talk to somebody who's doing an actual book about that. And something that's actually real with the, you know, the whole Winchester mystery house and, you know, the stairs that lead to nowhere and all the trap doors. And as he said, the glass floor. And, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, because it's just, it's something that, like, after we were just talking about it even more, I'm like, Man, I really want to go yeah. to San Jose and check this out, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's one of those places where you can actually go to, which is one of the cool things about it. I definitely want to go. Cause I'm, I, every time my wife and I go on vacation, it seems like we find something like that to do. Yeah. We find some sort of a haunted house or a ghost tour or something that we like to go through every time we go. So I think that the uh, the Winchester house would be a great one. And just the story behind it is so interesting. Just do a live show from the Winchester house? In the dark. Yes. Totally do it in the dark. I got no problem with that. <laughs> we are not scared. But, We're uh, going to be live on Free Comic Book Day on May the 7th. That's anyway. true. We are going to be broadcasting on Facebook live at Free Comic Book Day. We're not going to be recording the show. We're going to be doing a live broadcast literally on Facebook. It's going to be on our Down Nerdy Facebook page. So be sure to uh, tune in and watch us live for Free Comic Book Day on May the 7th. This is the first time we've ever done a legit on the spot, in the moment, live broadcast. And if you've ever listened to this show before, you know that anything can happen. And that's not hyperbole. That's legit. Anything can happen when we're live. Well, speaking of live broadcast, James, we're also going to be doing that at Taiwan Comic Con as well, May 21st and the 22nd. I mean, we're actually talking about doing it not just on Facebook, but on YouTube as well. And, of course, you know, we'll be recording the show a little bit, too. So, like you like you were saying, if you can't be there with us live, even at Free Comic Book Day, you know, we'll actually be able to get part of it. You'll get, like, what, three different ways to yeah. listen to what we're doing at Tidewater Comic Con? Yeah, just, just you know, pretty much just fill your eyes and ears with the Down Nerdy Podcast, and that's what we're going to be doing. So it's going to be really fun. You know, we're going to be there, we're going to be meeting people, uh, just, just seeing some familiar faces. It's going to be really a fun, fun time. And, and we don't know where we're going to be, but hey, when we do find out, we'll let you know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Down Nerdy, also on our Twitter at Down Nerdy 757, and on Instagram at Down Nerdy 757 as well. But James, this week we have a really great show planned ahead for the folks out there, but hey, that's going to do it for our intro. Come up next. We've got two new comics we're reviewing this week. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy Podcast. Come up next. Hi, this is Peter J. Tomasi, writer for House of Penance, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds, where we get our long boxes, see what we're reading this week, because it's time to enter the Twilight Zone. And that's right, it's time for what we're reading. Of course, this segment, as always, is brought to you by the fine folks. Over at Fancy Escape Comics and Cards on Aragona Boulevard, go see Bob and all the great things he's going to have for the nerds that you love. And don't forget, we're going to be there on May 7th. We're broadcasting a live show live on Facebook. So, James, I'm going to go first this week. Now, I grew up, I don't know about you, but I grew up a big fan of The Twilight Zone. I mean, there's, de- there's so many good episodes of The Twilight Zone, especially when you're we're talking about, you know, the Shatner stuff from yeah. The Twilight Zone. Good stuff, man. It's really, really great stuff. So... 
Dynamite Studio, or Dynamite Entertainment, I should say, put out this four-part series. Now, it comes out next week on the 20th, but we got an early copy of it. Thanks to Dynamite for sending it to us. The Twilight Zone Shadow. Now, if you're wondering, yes, this follows the Shadow. And it's really, really cool. And I'm not, and now it's written by David Avalone as the writer. The art's done by Dave Acosta. The colors are done by Omi Remolante, and the letters are done by Taylor Esposito. Now, I can't go too much into this because, not because it's not out yet, but also because it's one of those things where there's just so many sh- twists and turns and shocking moments. Typical Twilight Zone. Yeah, typical <laughs> Twilight Zone. Um, but it's really, really cool. So, I mean, you know, again, it follows a shadow. And what it does really well is that in true Twilight Zone fashion, mixes in the shadow with a little bit of Inception feel to it. And it's multi-layered. And what I love about the writing by Avalon is that he gives the shadow so many multi-layers. And, for example, you read, like, five pages about one thing with the shadow, and then the game changes. And then it's another five or whatever, and then the game changes again. So you're, it's like you're going in a dream or you're going through this body of the shadow pretty much. Wow. And it's just different different identities you're pretty much seeing of the shadow and it's really really good the art is phenomenal i mean you've read we both read justice inc the art is pretty much the same as that and that's one thing i like about these types of series when i do these shadow series and doc savages and the avenger series is that the art is very consistent it all has pretty much the same exact look and the art is just phenomenal there's some explosions in here which are really really great uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, there is a close-up panel on page four of the shadow, and he's laughing, and it is literally one of the best panels I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Because that's, it's, that's high praise right there. Because it's him holding two his two guns and just laughing, and it's a full-on front shot close-up of his face. And the, the way the hat is hiding over the eyes and the shadowy, making it look, you know, very shadow-like, uh, it's very great. And what's great about this, too, is that in the book, and this is, what, again, going back to the writing, they make the shadow a, confl- a conflicted character. Huh. They make him question, who am I? I am this person. Kind of like, okay, going back to the first Spider-Man movie, you know that scene where Norman Osborn is having that talk where he's like, you know, with himself in the mirror, and he's like, you are the Green Goblin, you know, we killed them, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. He's having that type of moment with himself throughout the book, in a sense. So, so much for the Shadow knows, then, huh? <sighs> Apparently he doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> well, again, it's the Twilight Zone, so there are many twists and turns. And <laughs> How could else. you know? <laughs> yeah, so, but the way that it is, is that, and, and that's what's really, really cool, is that, you know, Ken Allard, who, of course, is the Shadow... The way they do it, again, it's, it's you know, I am the shadow. No, you're Ken Allard. And it's and it's very good crossplay between him and, like, these other people he's coming into his life. And, it's, again, it's kind of a myriad of different things. It's like Inception meets Twilight Zone meets Shadow meets a little bit of Groundhog's Day. That and, is not a combination that you hear very often. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's really, really awesome, though. And I, I, I can't – this is a four-part series. And that's one thing I love about Dynamite that they do, too, is that they don't expand these series too long. They don't make them really an ongoing series. They make these series special and unique, you know, like I said, with The Avenger, with Doc Savage, with the you know Justice Inc., and now with Twilight Zone Sh- The Shadow – they making it a four part series is great. It's condensed. The way that the stories are written, it's really fantastic and phenomenal. This is a definite pull for me. I can't deny it. This is I love the shadow. We both love the shadow. Mm-hmm. They do him right, and they bring him much in this you know Twilight Zone book because this is a Twilight Zone. It's not just a shadow book. It's Twilight Zone. They make everything work, and they grab you within the first like two to three pages. You are instantly grabbed. That's important, especially when you're starting a new series. Even if it has that name, like Twilight Zone and Shadow on it, that's supposed to garner attention right away, that doesn't mean it's going to be a good book automatically and people are going to want to keep reading it. You're going to want to have something that just, like you said, grabs you right away, especially with the new series. So I'm glad that it does that. Exactly. And so, James, it's your turn to review something. And, well, you you didn't have as good of a week as I did, did you? Well, unlike Uptown Funk, it's not too hot. Uh, Hot Damn, number one, as a matter of fact, from IDW, which was written by <laughs> Ryan Ferrier. I can just, I can, can I just say something? The tone in your voice right now 
It's just like you have to go up and read a eulogy in a sense. You're just not excited about it. You're like, here we go. Hold it together. Because there's actually kind of something like that going on. <laughs> oh, but, Jesus. Uh, Ryan Ferrier wrote it, uh, illustrated by Valentin Ramon. And I just got to tell you, man, this is one of the biggest, like, dude bro comics <laughs> I think I've ever read in my entire life. And that's what's great about it because, you know, for people who haven't met James or people who have listened to the show, He's not the dude bro type, especially if you met the guy. Like, he's far from it. So having to read about dude bros is hilarious to me. Here's the deal, man. Uh, So let me just set the premise for you. Basically, uh, when you think of hell, you think hellfire, brimstone, rocks, fire everywhere, right? Well, no, hell looks actually more like Vegas. Like, oh. Not like the strip where everything's nice, there's lights everywhere, but like Vegas, Vegas. No, so, oh, so like DC, but outside the capital. Pretty much, yeah. So I mean, and and you know, everybody's just kind of walking around. The one, the one thing, and I'm I'm reading this book at first. I'm like, okay, this is not going to be good. But then they turn the corner, like it's time to go to therapy, and basically. People in hell have to go through penance therapy and talk about, you know, why they got to hell, bad stuff they did in their life and all that. And uh, Abaddon, actually, the goat head guy, is the one that runs the therapy. So I think, okay, maybe this is going to be something, right? But, like, I feel like Abaddon should be kicking around a hacky sack or something. He's like a, <laughs> it's like a hippie. I mean, it's really weird. And then, I mean, people are like, I shouldn't be here. And he sends them to, it's, it's just very weird. And the reason that the, the main guy's, the character's name is Teddy, the reason that he ended up in hell and how he died, it's like, really? Come on, man. I mean... This is typical, like, party guy type stuff. And, like, this is just not happening. And as I'm struggling to get through this book, and believe me, I struggle to get through this book. Everybody's got a sponsor, too, okay? So this guy and his sponsor decide to go do something. And I don't want to give it away just in case you take leave of your senses and want to read this. Um, (laughs) And they decide to go to the living realm and do something and... You know, as these things tend to do, it kind of backfires and there's consequences. And then you actually see a shot of heaven, too. And heaven's not exactly, again, what you kind of expect heaven to be either. So basically, if I could sum this up, Mm -hmm. this book tried to be funny and just the biggest Jose Canseco style swing and a miss that I've had in a long now, time. Did it try to be funny where it's like, it's telling jokes and it's just trying it. Where yes, it, is it, no, no, it. no. But what I'm saying is like, is it trying to be like family guy where they're trying to be so raunchy and just out of left field that they're trying to get you to laugh. Well, what was funny is, and I think I can kind of give this away because it's not a big spoiler or anything. It's like the demons uh-huh. don't use foul language or anything. The demons are like the most well-behaved people in hell. Oh, so it's kind of like opposite day more or which less. Is, yeah. Which is kind of weird. And everybody's like, um, like dude, but like saying dude and bro and nice sesh today, and I'm like, come on! Oh man. my god! Oh, it's so douche chilling. Oh, come on! And oh. I mean, and it, it, there were just jokes there that didn't land for me. Like there was a joke where they're at a bar. I don't want to give it away because, and, and there was supposed there was shock value there for like the drinks that are at the bar and stuff like and, that. And it's probably some scenes of like dude, like some big built buff guy just going to a built guy saying dude. I've been admiring you from across the gym, but I just got to say, your lats are totally sick. Well, every, everybody actually looks like ass. I mean, it's, oh. it's, it's hell for a reason. And not really many people look good. And that's because, you know, some people have been in hell longer than others and stuff like that. And, and, and it's run like a business, too. That was the other thing that I thought might be interesting. Turns out not so much. And, you know, I hate just basically flogging the hell out of this book. And maybe this book is for some people, but... Given the audience that you're kind of going for, and I know you want to try to do different stuff, branch out to different people, if you get somebody who really likes reading comics, read this book. <laughs> I don't know how well that's going to work out. I'm yeah. sorry. And, and, and I know that they're trying something different, and uh, people might be mad at me for this, but this is a straight-up drop. If I could drop this from the top of the highest building. All right that I could find, I would do it. I just, I was not a fan. And anybody that was, hey, to each their own, go ahead, read it. If you enjoy it, I'm happy for you. Not my kind of humor, not my kind of story, not my kind of book. And it's just me. It's a drop. I'm just picturing James doing power cleans at the gym right now to like Rocky theme. I'm just saying right now, if I have to check five or six times to see how many pages I have left, 
Right. That should tell you something. And that, that's... <laughs> I can't say much more than that. <laughs> I wish I was there when you read it because I just wanted to see your face. I mean, there was a couple times I'm like, oh, God, it's... there's We're still going? And that's bad. I hate giving... But see, that's when you take. Like this, but but see, with a comic like that, though, it's something you take to your son. You're like, son, see these people. Don't be like these. Yeah, people. Yeah, don't be like these people at all. This is how <laughs> you end up in hell. If anything, if it did one thing right, it is a great illustration of why certain people are in hell. Uh, okay? okay, that if it if it succeeded in anything, it definitely succeeded in that. Well, again, that's going to do it for what we're reading this week. But come next, MTV Movie Awards this past weekend, and they had a bunch of clips and trailers and look behind the scenes of stuff. Well, that deals with the nerd world, including Civil War, Suicide Squad, and Skull Island, and more. We'll get to all that coming up next, and this week in Geektainment on the Down Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer Brian Wood, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, there used to be an old time where they'd say, we want our MTV. Well, what we want, Nick, is to talk about all the great trailers that debuted at the 25th Annual MTV Movie Awards that happened with The Rock and Kevin Hart. And for some reason, it was very nerd-filled as far as the trailers and stuff. Well, we are technically... I mean, granted, we are in April, but I mean, really, I think we can say we're getting on the heels of the summer blockbuster run. And of course, start off, of course, with Captain America, civil war, uh, a lot of some, some new things we saw. One of the things that we saw was of course, red wing, which of course was, is Falcon's companion. And now of course he's this robotic kind of, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm glad he's not like an actual bird. I'm glad right. that they actually made him like this, uh, drone type of a Falcon or a bird. So I'm, that's pretty cool. We also got some new stuff as well. We saw on it. Yeah. I, I like the scene with Scarlet witch throwing cap through the window kind of thing. We kind of see her get a little bit more involved, uh, in, in with the actual team. Actually, she didn't like throw him through a window maliciously. She was getting him up to an, another floor to, to kind of fight the bad. Right. Kind of thing. And we got a good look at crossbones as well. It looks like, yeah, he crossbones. Yeah, we gotta go look at crossbones, and it's just like he looks like an armored bane. Like he really does. He does. <laughs> like he does. like it's it's like armored bane, pretty much. And yeah, I mean, I like that he has the, the whole gauntlet thing going, and it's just gonna be an, an intense film, dude. Like it really is. I think so too, and I think this might be a little darker than people that love Marvel Marvel movies are gonna be used to because of the the themes of it. I don't think you can really avoid that too much. Um. I will say that the clip, I wasn't, like, stoked about it. It was just kind of there for me. I mean, it's not that it wasn't cool, but I didn't I didn't see it and go, whoa, I'm stoked for this movie. Because I was already kind of excited for the movie anyway. But nothing in this clip made me go, wow, I, now I really can't wait to see it. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, there's, I mean, there's only so many times you can see the two teams kind of face off and run at each other on the airport dock and, and on the airport base. And, uh, you know, there was a clip I actually watched before the show. It was, uh, them, you know, it was Ant-Man getting introduced to Team Cap. And it was pretty funny. Just the chemistry is great. And I, and one thing that Cap said, I don't know if you saw it, but saw the clip, but one thing he says is like, hey, you join this team. You're a wild man. And, you know, we're going to these, these, you know, bad guys. He pretty much laid, he pretty much, labels uh iron man his team there is kind of like close he stopped close of calling them nazis pretty much yeah i noticed that too and i think it's just gonna be the in the dynamic is gonna be very very interesting in this movie and again coming off the heels of batman versus superman and people complaining that that was too dark if this is on the darker edge for marvel i don't know if people are gonna i don't think they're gonna lump them together obviously but people are gonna be like hey what the hell well no, well, no, because I think with Civil War, if you've read Civil War and the things that Tony Stark does to the prisoners, I mean, we've seen the whole Hydro base and stuff yeah. like that where he keeps the prisoners. It's pretty dark. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not going to be your typical lighthearted Marvel movie. It's going to be because the Russo brothers are directing it. So it's going to be Winter Soldier with a little more darkness to it. Yeah, and, and it's going to be really good there. And there needs to be an edge there and there, it needs to be done authentically and you can't do it authentically well, not, without doing those things. Well, not only that, but civil war feels like it's going to be the first Marvel movie, which isn't going to be the cookie cutter Marvel movie. Yeah. And because, you know, it's, it's going to feel really, really good. It's going to be really, really awesome. Speaking of another trailer, another clip that we saw James had to do with suicide squad. Since we were talking about DC a little bit earlier with the whole Batman versus Superman thing. What did you think about it? Cause you're more, like I said, you're more the DC guy and you're also, 
also more of the Suicide Squad guy than I am. You know um, more about them. Uh, again, I think people got the wrong impression with the whole, with the start of the trailer. People are like, really? They formed the Suicide Squad because of Superman maybe going and attacking the president? No, that's not why they're going to form the Suicide Squad. It's a what-if scenario. Basically, the reason they're forming the Suicide Squad is to prepare for all possibilities. And they're using criminals because, you know, again, if they get caught or they die, what difference does it make? They're criminals kind of thing. So, that they, you know, the traditional reasons that they formed the Suicide Squad in the first place, to do the missions that nobody else can or wants to do. And I think that will hold true. Now, I do think it was interesting that we got way more Harley in this trailer. We got way more Joker. But what really caught my eye was how much we got of Diablo. And, and I liked what I definitely liked what I saw from him. Oh well, yeah, I think that I'm a. I think Diablo might be one of those guys, I and mean, of course, you talk about Kevin Boomerang or anything else that are part of the squad. But I think Diablo is gonna be that one person. I think that really nobody knows much about. He's gonna come out. I think shock a lot of people. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, he's he's one of those guys. He comes off as one of those guys who has a very short fuse, and his very his temper can vary on certain things. Like we see, oh, kind yeah. of like. Him and, and Deadshot kind of challenging one another. And Deadshot, he's like, you want to see something? And he's actually, you know, he's in this huge amounts of flames from his hands. And so it's just, it's going to be one of those things, man, where he's going to be, I think he's going to be kind of that, that loose screw, I think, in the group in a sense. Definitely. And what I think you saw in this trailer, too, and I'm sure this was done on purpose, was personality across the board. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got their own little snarky personality kind of thing. So I think that, again, that was definitely done on purpose after all the backlash that, that's been going on. So I mean, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. This is another one of those instances where I didn't see this trailer and go, wow, now I'm really stoked for this movie because I was already, I'm already excited for Suicide Squad anyway. But this didn't hype me up more than I already was. Per now, here's a, here's a question because, I mean, you're, 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 there's no bigger Harley Quinn fan than you. I watch this and I'm like, I love Margot Robbie, but I'm still scared of how she's going to be doing Harley and playing her. Did you, do you kind of have that fear of how she's playing, playing her? Or? A, li- a little bit, a little bit. I mean, the voice thing doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people. It doesn't bother me. I'd rather her use her own voice and not try. Like if she can't legit do the voice the way it's supposed to be done, I don't want her to try to do it. But so again, I'm you okay, don't I'm want okay to be, that. but again, you don't want to be where she's on and off with it as well. Right, exactly. or, or where there's like yeah, exactly. hints of her doing it, but then there's like her just talking to her like a regular self. If they have like a scene where she does like a parody of it or something for a laugh, I'm okay with that. But let's not, you know, like you said, going in and out of it, I hope that that doesn't happen. Right. Uh, now it's, but it's about the looks. It's about the ad, you know, that little, that little look that Harley can give or the right. attitude stuff like that so as long as she kind of holds that i think that will be fine i don't think it's going to be the most authentic portrayal of harley quinn in the world but i don't necessarily think it's going to be a bad one either well and i want to kind of go back i want to go backwards to your whole superman thing about how i said well, what if superman came down here and grabbed the president and flew away pretty much well from what everything we're seeing enchantress is going to be the big bad in this film uh just because we see the monsters that she has and everything else and there's remember the scene, the actual real life trailer where she's in look, looks like the the situation room at the White House. So that might be uh, coming to a head in this film as well. Yeah, I mean it's really hard to tell. I mean it's, it's everybody just assumes that the Joker is going to be the antagonist. I'm not so sure about that. No, I, I don't know if it's going to be Enchantress so. either, but. Um, I don't think it's the Joker. I think that we're going to get a lot of Joker in more of the almost like a Harley Quinn origin type thing. I think we're going to get a lot of that. That's what I wanted to say. I don't think the Joker is going to be a main player in here. I think Joker is going to be more of a flashback character. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the same goes for Ben Affleck's Batman. I think we're going to see him, but I think we're going to see him in more of a flashback type scenario. Now, this might be a significant flashback. If they're going to go through the whole Harley Quinn origin and stuff like that. So I could see, you know, Joker getting a decent amount of screen time, but I don't think it's going to be, I think it'll speak more to Harley's psyche now than anything else. And, you know, how did she get here kind of thing. And I think we'll get flashbacks from the other characters too. I think we'll get some dead shot flashbacks and stuff like that because, you know, we know these things, but main moviegoers are going to be in this is one of those instances where they kind of need to be introduced to these characters right i don't think there needs to be an origin for every one of them 
but we need to introduce the main movie-going public to these characters, much like Marvel did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, who the hell is Star-Lord? Okay, well, we'll tell you who Star-Lord is. We'll tell you who Gamora is, stuff like that. They did it quickly, but they did it properly. So I think that's what they're going to do here. Right, and then, well, speaking of, you know, certain beings and stuff like that, let's talk about some wizards, for example. Let's go to the... Trailer for the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find The actual trailer was released, and I'm not gonna lie, man, I'm pretty excited because, of course, this is the I get people saying prequel to Harry Potter, but then people are saying, well, this is really the one of the based on one of the books that Harry Potter reads and from one of his classes. Um, but either way, man, I'm excited for this thing. This looks pretty, pretty amazing. I'll say this: as somebody who's not really a Harry Potter, was never really a Harry Potter fan, this caught my interest. I was very interested because, and I know who the players are, like when he said, I don't know why Dumbledore is so interested in you. Right. I know who they're talking about. But just as an outsider looking in, it's a very intriguing story. Like, why did he get kicked out, really? And Well, and here's like the that. thing. And here's the thing is that, you know, it's going to be another trilogy because I believe that's what the books are. Yeah. I believe they're, they're a trilogy as well. Um, but Eddie Redmayne, like his character, like, I'm, it's just one of those things where it's going to have a lot of things on screen that are going to be really eye-capturing. Like, for example, him going inside the briefcase and down what appears to be a flight of steps, you know, deep into that briefcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, just things flying around and everything else. And, you know, the the briefcase, I think, is going to be, I think, I'm not going to lie, it's probably one of the biggest, like, toy sellers because it's like, you're telling me there's a briefcase where you can just flip a little switch on the, on the knob and yeah. it just goes from, like, you know, muggle-worthy items to wizardy items and everything That's else? Cool, yeah. That's pretty amazing. I'm really excited for this because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter. I grew up with the books. I grew also, you know, of course, grew up with the movies as well. But just to see this kind of expand universe, and also this brings some possibilities like, will we get a Dumbledore movie? Will we get, you know, some sort of spinoff with Snape? We don't know, you know? Yeah, there's, there's, there's an endless amount of possibilities that are now opened up by this, and we know it's going to be hugely successful at least in its first week anyway we know it's going to be hugely successful just because of the of the popularity of oh, the franchise yeah. itself but i think that this is a chance for people like myself who weren't a part of the original franchise to kind of do, now we can jump in here and and actually appreciate it on another on another level without necessarily having to know absolutely everything and appreciate everything that happened in the original franchise. And plus, like you said, you grew up with the originals. Now there's going to be people people that are going to start to grow up with this. So I think this was a good point to kind of reset the whole Harry Potter universe. Well, I like that they made a period piece too. Like yeah, that, that was cool. Like that really fits. Like because the thing is, we never really see if you really think about it. We've only seen wizards and two. Uh, and witches in two kind of eras. We see them in, of course, the uh, you know knights knights era. You know, in the whole old age era back back in those times, medieval times. And then we have the current times. You know, the modern age. We never really see the nineteen forties, nineteen thirties era. You know, wizards and stuff like that. And everything that was like that back then. And you know, one thing I really wanted to see is how magic evolves and how certain things evolve over time and spells and everything else. And I think, you know, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is going to do that. I, I totally agree. And speaking of period pieces, actually, we actually got a little peek at another period piece. It's going to be set at the Vietnam War era. And one that you and I, once we found out that this was, being, once this was announced, we were very excited about. And that's Kong Skull Island. Exactly. Because, of course, you know, it has Tom Hilston who plays uh, somebody going to this island as well as, you know, you have, you have Brie Larson, you know, playing this kind of faux journalist, kind of this journalist who's not really... F- who was really anti-war and very anti-reason why they're going on this trip. And then along the way, what we see is giant bones and everything else. So one thing I really hope we see in Kong Skull Island is I really want a vast diversity of monsters. I don't want it to be, let's just focus on the humans and this thing that might be chasing them or whatever. I want I want an array of of beings. I want an array of monsters. You I'll know? tell you what, when you see that skeleton and that behind-the-scenes footage, it almost looks like a, a woolly mammoth skeleton. Yeah. I mean, it really did. So I think by seeing that, they might be telling us, hey, there is going to be a wide variety of monsters. Of course you wanted to focus on, on, on Kong, because that's who the movie's named after, and that's, that's kind of like your big moneymaker right there. But I agree. I would like to see, at least in their travels of, hey, what the hell is going on on this island, that we see some other things, just like Jurassic Park. 
in any iteration didn't simply just focus on the T-Rex. They gave you other dinosaurs as well. So I hope that, I'll, I'll agree with that, we get some other creatures of some kind in this movie. Exactly. I mean, can you imagine? I'm just waiting for like one of the lines to be like, "Welcome to Skull Island." Like you know, like Jurassic, very Jurassic Park esque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you could just do the Peter Griffin thing and be like, "Done, done." He yeah. said it. <laughs> I know, right? To do the whole John Hammond thing, just like walk out. But again, I love that you know it has John Goodman in there. I think honestly, and I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that Skull Island is everything that Peter Jackson's King Kong. Was, was supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. Know? And I hope it's not six hours long like Peter Jackson's King Kong was, too. My God. No. But, I mean, look at, like you said, the cast. I mean, Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson. It's stacked, man. There, I know. A lot, there's a couple newer guys in there as well that I think they are going to do very well. Toby Kebbell's in there. Yeah. John C. Riley's in there. You know, and, and Tom Hiddleston, you know, he's playing, you know, Captain James Conrad. And I think that... You know, it's going to be really, really awesome to kind of see, you know, this is really outside of Loki. And if you saw the whole I Saw the Light thing, which was a biopic he recently did. Right. This is really – and, of course, you know, you have the whole um, uh, thing he did with uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, you know, uh, Crimson Peak. No, Crimson Peak. Well, Night, he's also doing a miniseries called Night Manager as well. That's so right. He's got a lot of other stuff going on. So I, I do like that – He's branching gonna, out. Yeah, we're going to see like him that. outside. And, and I think that he has Loki to thank for that. But again, he's he he's waving his hands there, going, "I'm not typecast. I'm not typecast. I can do other things here." And I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity to but do that. One thing I do like, but one thing I do like about Hilson though is that he's even though he's going from like project to project, he's trying to distance himself from Loki in a sense. He's still staying within that nerd realm. He's staying within that whole mystical oh, yeah. realm. Yeah, you know, with, with of course with Crimson Peak, and then of course now with Kate, with Skull Island. Um, I, I like that he's not turning his back on it. I'm glad, you know, and the thing is you want your characters involved, and we've talked about how great it is when characters, you know, are known for a certain character and they embrace it, but when you're somebody who's Hills, like Tom Hilston, and you're his age, and you're like, man, he's still very, he's still a young guy, and you're like, he wants to be known for other stuff, and it's really, really important, you know? Right, exactly, and he doesn't want to just be known as Loki. He wants to be known as a great actor and a guy that, it was able to bring so many different cool roles into this nerd culture. And I think that expanding on that with a guy that we love like Tom Hiddleston, that's exactly the kind of guy we want doing that. Exactly. That's going to do it for this week in Geek Tampa. Come up next is Nerd News and the Doctor Strange trailer finally dropped. We're going to be talking about that and some other stories as well. Come up next in the Down Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is comic writer Mike W. Barr, co-creator of Katana, here with the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, James, it's time to travel to Tibet with Benedict Cumberbatch, and because well, we are a couple of his Cumber bitches, so it's time for what? No, news. Yes, we are a couple of Cumber bitches, and for that, we're going to talk about the Doctor Strange trailer that dropped earlier this week. And dude, I'm not going to lie, I was worried. I was worried and intrigued as to how they were doing this, because remember, they're this is now they're getting into scraping the bottom of the, yep. not the bottom of the barrel, but near the bottom for, for Doctor Strange and, and stuff like that. And the other characters they're going to be doing Marvel with their plans and their phases going forward. So, I mean, let's just get to it, man. One thing I loved about this trailer, they showed the brutality of his injuries. Yep, the first three seconds of this trailer, I was like, they got it right. Yeah. They got it right. They're going to do, they're going to go the exact route that they should go in showing the brutality of his accident, because to me, I, I know that maybe this is a little darker than Marvel fans are going to be used to in Marvel films, but this is such a huge part of his story, and I was so worried that they would either leave it out or dumb it down or something like that and not really make that as much of a part of it. So right when I saw that, right at the beginning, I'm like, okay, everything from here on out, I'm a little bit more excited for now because of that. And another thing about this trailer too, dude, it was visually striking. Oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, we were dealing with magic and you're dealing with, you know, different realms. Like, I loved how they did a little kind of quick shot of him, you know, successful, Sue, Dr. Clean, and then him broken and, mm-hmm. you know, appearing to be homeless, you know, and stuff like that. And just this, I think, was really the trailer of a broken man. And we saw that. And one thing I loved about this trailer that we don't really get to see in a lot of trailers is something happens to him with the ancient one and 
he's pretty much like, I believe you. Teach me. Like, that's what I love seeing. I love seeing that it wasn't going to be his whole, I don't trust you. This thing can't be right. real. This yeah. whole thing can't be real. You know, it's him reacting, saying, oh, my God, you just threw me through all these different realms. And the fact that you knocked a soul out of my body, literally, teach me. I want to learn how to be a Sorcerer Supreme and stuff like that. And the thing about I love about Benedict Cumberbatch, and it's in that scene, is the face that he makes right before he says, teach me. Yeah. Only Benedict Cumberbatch can make that face. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's this utter sheer, like, surprise and excitement at the same time. And the way he just delivers it, it's like, yeah, let's learn some stuff. <laughs> I like you said utter because I'm like, oh, it was, I remember how people were saying he looked like an otter. Like, there were, like, otter photos floating around. Like, Absolutely, Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. looks like an otter. So I'm like, oh, my God. He looks like an otter. They've made him out of chocolate, all kinds of different stuff. Exactly. And one thing I also love about this trailer, too. We didn't really get to see who the bad guy was. Now, no, I mean, we have our theories. but I, Well, we saw a little Mads Mikkelsen in there. I th- I think he's going to be Dormammu or somebody. I think Dormammu's it. I mean, I, th- I think that that's it. And and I'm more than fine with that. Yeah, and I know that Twilight Edge of Four is playing Baron Motor, but I think he's going to be... They're going to do with him what Green Lantern, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie tried to do with Sinestro, where he was a good guy for the entire first movie, or at least most of them, until the last tier where he turns. Well, and, and they need somewhere. Do. Yeah, they need somewhere to go for a second movie. So, and I, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. And don't forget the jealousy there has to build as well with the training with the Ancient One and stuff like that. So I think that that'll build throughout the movie as well. And I honestly think this movie could go from being one of those, like you said, the 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 one on the radar with Marvel where you go, ah, I don't know, is this where the chink in the armor is going to happen because not a lot of people are familiar with this. This could be one of those ones where Doctor Strange could like rocket ship up to one of the most successful Marvel movies because if people give it a chance, like you said, with it being so visually striking, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, and it's actually a really good cast. I think this one really has a shot to be way more successful than people think it's going to be. Right, and the thing is, too, is that, again, you have Benedict Cumberbatch, Twilight Edge 4, you have award, Tilda Swinton, you have award winners, you have Mads Mikkelsen in there as well, you have these great actors, and, you know, who else to bring this Doctor Strange into the world, you know? Yeah, and there's that creepy factor that I'm glad that it looks like they're going to include in that. And we only get to see, like, a little blip of Rachel McAdams. But, I mean, she's got some chops, too, and she's definitely a name. So they definitely stack the cast in their favor for stuff like this. And I'm just really looking forward to... Because I love mystical magic movies and stuff like that, like The Prestige. I thought was yes. really good. I like The Illusionist. So I like any kind of movie like that. I'm in already, but especially now that it's Doctor Strange. So... What are you hoping to see going forward out of this movie? Um, I, I just really want to see some kick-ass effects. I'm not going to lie. I really want to see him, you know, literally, I'm not saying this just because you're my, you know, working with me on this as well, but I want to see, you know, the, the magic and just the, the sorcery of this and everything else and just the mysticism and everything. And it, it, I, 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 it was a pun I was thinking back in my head, but luckily in the back, like just that, I just like, nope, nope, not going to say it. No, back in the chest. So old Nick went up and beat, beat punch. Pretty Nick much. Okay. Pretty much. I pretty much, my, what happened was my soul left my body and kicked me right in the head. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> no. So going on to our next story, James, we're staying within the hero realm, the movie realm, because, well, we wanted it. We had a feeling that it was coming since he was announced to be playing Batman. Yes, we are getting a solo Batman film both starring and directed by Ben Affleck. I believe he's also going to be writing with Jeff Johns as well, because they were talking about how he was writing, he was doing something with Johns, uh, where they wasn't saying what it was, and I think this is what it is. I think he's co-writing the script with Jeff Johns. Remember, this was a rumor in Comic-Con last year. Yeah. And now we're finally finding out that this is actually going to happen. Of course, this was reported at the uh, Warner Brothers uh, part of CinemaCon this past week, and... I got to tell you, I'm actually excited because Affleck's shown that when he involves himself in a movie like this, like he did with Gone Girl and a couple of other things, I think The Town was another one that he did, uh, when he involves himself like this in a movie, it usually ends up garnering a pretty good result. So I'm actually excited. And and the fact that Jeff Johns is going to be involved as well, I mean, that's that's some powerhouse names right there. There's some credibility. Well, like I said, I I don't know. I remember how they said that he was writing it with Jeff Johns. He was working on something with Jeff, but... Again, uh, it's one of those things where it hasn't been announced yet, but 
I think it's going to happen. I think it's, that's, he's going to be doing the whole writing, acting, and directing thing. And if you know John's on it, if he's on it or not, whatever, it's going to work out. But again, if you go back to our Dawn of Justice review, we said the one shining beacon of that movie, even though it was a really dark movie, was Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne Batman, where he really was the best Batman I think we've ever had. And I think best Bruce Wayne as well. Yeah, I think that we've seen Batman be done right, but not Bruce Wayne, or Bruce Wayne be done right and then not Batman. And I think I'm very comfortable saying that Affleck is the first one that's gotten them both right at the same time. And, and I agree, he was a shining beacon in that movie. I mean, I loved Gal, Gal Gadot too, but... Yeah, Batman was the highlight of that movie for sure. And now here's here's my question with this is when are we going to get it? Because remember, DC has 10 different movies planned up until 2020. Now, those 10 movies, of course, you have Man of Steel 2, Justice League 1, Justice League 2, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, Flash, Suicide Squad, and... Uh, we were going to have Green Lantern Green Lantern, somewhere Green, Lantern there, Corp- yeah. Yeah, Green Lantern Corps was the other one. So pretty much you have all these different movies, but Batman really wasn't on the original slate. So 2021, are they going to do some shuffling? Uh, they're going to sneak it in before that. They, they've got to. I mean, they, there's a chance. Let, let's put it this way. If Wonder Woman comes out and does well, right. I don't think that... The, or even Suicide Squad. Let's say Suicide Squad does well, Wonder Woman follows that up, does well. I don't think there's going to be panic to get this done right away, but you also have to remember Ben Affleck's schedule too. Right. And we want to get him, you know, I don't think we'll see him in the suit before, well, obviously in Suicide Squad for however much he's in that, but until Justice League after that. Yeah, I think that if anything, it'll be probably, I think, well, here's what they're going to do. I think they're going to end up moving Cyborg, I would say. If any of the movies that, I think if any of the movies are going to be moved, I think Cyborg or maybe even Green Lantern Corps because Green Lantern hasn't really been brought into this universe yet. Yeah, and they're just not sure, I think, about Green Lantern yet, what they want to do. Right, and so I think they're going to throw it. I I would say earliest 2018, latest latest 2019, 2020 around there. Um, But, I mean, I'm excited for it, man. I can't really wait for it. And now here's the thing. If we don't see it until 2020 or 2019 or whenever – more likely, it's going to be a Hall H kind of a deal at SDCC. Of course, San Diego Comic-Con. Some news coming out of there as well. Something we've been clamoring for. You know, we cover SDCC, but right now we just don't have the means to get out there. But so, anyways, we, our coverage is going to be a little bit expanded, and here's why. Because now, SDCC, through their channel that they're going to be having, they're going to be posting all the panels and stuff from the Hall H stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's actually going to be a video on demand channel. So, I mean, you can watch maybe some of them live, or and and you know maybe even get uncut versions of certain panels and stuff like that. But here's the kicker to this whole story, and this was a little update from Comic Book Resources. They said that many of the Hall H programs are going to be there, but some of the studio agreements might mean some of the panels are exempt from the channel. So, like say. Warner Brothers doesn't want to participate in the channel, we wouldn't be able to see the Warner Brothers Hall H panel. I'm not saying that they are, but that's, you know, just like an example. So not necessarily everybody is going to be a part of this. So do you think more people are going to opt in or not or opt out on this? I think more people, I think they're going to, I think the people who are going to opt in on this, I think are, because either way, I think people are still going to camp out for the Hall H stuff because, again, also updated from the comic book resources story that, you know, even if certain store studios do participate in this, they can say, hey, we're showing a trailer. You can't show this, you right. know, and stuff like that, which I think really takes the wind out of a lot of the sales of this because it's like you look at E3, you have unlimited access to all their panels and stuff like that at E3 and all their, their presentations at E3. All their trailers go up immediately and you can watch the trailers being shown live as well with the audience, even if you're not there. Right. I understand that SDCC and Comic Con International want to make money because at Hall H, how they make money because they say, hey, you buy tickets to this, but an extra $100 or so, you can get the Hall H pass as well. I understand that. And I understand that they say, hey, we want to make this, you don't want to rob fans who've paid to see the Hall H stuff. Well, listen, tough. You know, there are millions of people who can't make it to Hall H because they want to see uh, another panel at a different time, or maybe they can't make right. it to Comic Con International at all. It's all about being open to people and it's like you know it's kind of like one of those things it's like buying a ticket to a baseball game you don't know if it's gonna rain that day but it's like hey you buy a ticket to this guess what you're there 
You are there. Right. You can say you were there and you got to see it. Now, I understand if they're saying, hey, we're showing a new, you know, the first episode of The Flash or whatever. I understand not right. showing us that. Right, you can't show that, right. But in the, days of, in the day and age where it's like, come on, because a lot of the trailers do get, quote, unquote, leaked out immediately afterwards. Right. And, you know, if you're Warner Brothers and you're coming off the whole Batman vs. Superman thing, you want some good vibrations, some good feelings going to this. So why not say, hey, we got a trailer for the Wonder Woman movie. Here you go. You know, it's, it's one of those things, man, because it's like you shouldn't shy away from that. You should get as many people as pumped up about stuff as right. needed and as necessary. Right, and you've got Paramount and Sony and everybody that's ha- that has their Hall H panels, and some were more successful than others last year. So I think everybody wants to have those good vibes. And like you said about the trailers, come on, people. They're going to get out, okay? Yeah. Whether you like it or not, no matter how good the security is at SDCC, they're going to get out at some point. So you might as well just let them have it. Actually, that's not even all. I mean, Sci-Fi right. is actually going to do a live broadcast from Comic-Con July 21st through the 23rd. They're actually going to put it on at 8 o'clock, and they're going to have all, all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff about the panels, any parties that are going to be going on. And To me, this is another one of those things where I'm going... Finally, someone since G4 went off the air was smart enough to be like, hey, we need to pick this up. And I know Spike TV did a little bit, but I think they showed like one thing like in the middle of the day. Right. So why not? I mean, it was just clamoring for somebody to pick this up. And I'm glad that uh, NBC Universal had the smarts to grab this. Exactly. And that's the thing I loved about that. You know, speaking of this whole sci fi thing, because again, you know, it's going to be a three day event that sci fi is going to be doing. And it's great. You know, it's what we wanted to see. You know, it's important that we see that because, again, it's about being open. And you got to think about this too is it's called Comic Con International. You get people from all over the world to come here. Well, there are people that are all, all over the world that want to see. Stuff, you know, people who are in Japan and in wherever want right. to see these panels. And because, you know, it's, you're not just releasing these movies in America. You're releasing them worldwide. Come on, guys. Yeah, like, you think it's hard for us? Imagine being in London and being like trying to get to SDCC. Right. That's, that's hard. <laughs> it's very tough. That's very, very tough. And speaking of cons, we can continue forward because Emerald City Comic Con was last weekend. And a lot of big news came out of it. But I think, you know, we love crossovers here on the podcast. And so when, you know, IW and Dark Horse and, and uh, people merge, when companies come together for a great experience, say, you know, we want to give people this experience. And they say, you know what we're doing? We're doing a Judge Dredd versus Predator versus Alien Comics limited series. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. And I mean, yes, yes. You just look at the cover art for the, oh, the yeah. first thing that they released. It's like, wow, Glenn Farby, great job on that cover. And I mean, it's actually going to be written by John Lehman. Any fans of the two, you know who he is. And then Chris Mooneham, who actually did Predator Fire and Stone. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense that you would have him in there. And I mean, they actually released, you know, just a couple of images from it. And yeah, wow, man, I am so excited for this. I mean, I'm pumped because, you know, it's taking place where it's like it's in the South. Apparently, it's going to be in Alabama. And there's this, like, mad scientist who has this DNA of, you know, he has, like, these three things. He's like, okay, I have, like, the DNA or whatever of a xenomorph, and I have this thing that belongs to a predator. I'm going to create these things or do whatever with these things, and I'm going to use Judge Dredd and his other judges as, you know, as these as their prey. And it's going to be really fun, dude. I'm excited for this. I mean, I don't know what you sentence a predator or a uh, or a xenomorph to once you judge them, but uh, I don't think it's going to go down quite as easy as it has for Judge Dredd in the past. I mean, now granted, we've got to wait until July 27th for this. Right. That's not that far down the line. And by the way, what does that fall right around the time of? San Diego Comic Con. It's a little bit after San Diego, so are we going to get even more of a sneak peek at San Diego Comic Con, or maybe even a little bit of an early release because of that? I'm very curious to see if we do that. Now, I like, like you said, I love the fact that crossovers are becoming more commonplace now. All the publishers are deciding, you know what? We've got great properties. People love to see these properties come together. Let's make this happen. It'd be like if Back in the day, if WWF and WCW decided to just do one pay per view, like you know what, let's let's have the worlds collide. Let's do uh, let's do one versus the other. You know, like legit, not when Vince McMahon bought him. Like if they legit decided to do like one pay per view, right? People would have loved that. And we're getting a lot more of this stuff, stuff that we thought was never possible because this side owns this group and this side owns the other group. 
people are starting to work together and we're getting some really cool stuff because of it. Right. And you, know, you question like, what can you charge a Xenomorph with? Well, I mean, you put the egg on the ground. Isn't that kind of considered littering? I think it kind of is. At least the shells. You got to pick up the shells. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. You know, maybe like, you know, 10 days ISO cubes. I don't know. Nobody's going to sweep the mean streets of Alabama of eggshells. <laughs> I don't think anybody sweeps the mean streets of Alabama right now. Uh, are there mean streets in Alabama? I, oh, there is. <laughs> I've never been to Alabama. I wouldn't know. I've been I, close, but not there. I have a, friend, a couple friends live in Alabama. Oh, yeah. Mean streets? Oh, yes. There are mean streets in West Virginia. I can tell you that, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's not the same that's not the same <laughs> but uh no it's it's really really exciting again july 27th is gonna be awesome and i mean again the art just looks phenomenal i mean just a little piece of a panel that we got that has dread's helmet the egg you know that has the face hugger in it and then the mask of the predator how could you just not get excited i, I literally want to blow that up and frame it yeah, let's do that. I mean, that's like one of those commissions you'd ask for at a con. Oh, yeah. Never thinking that it's actually going to happen, and it is. Oh, yes, exactly. And that's going to do it for Nerd News this week. But come up next, Chris Vance. That's right, Nan from Supergirl is coming on to talk about the season finale of Supergirl. That's going to come up next in Down Nerdy Podcast, and we shall kneel before Nan. Hi, this is David Hale from Supergirl. Hi, you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, we've been excited all season for Supergirl. It's been a great, great first season. Getting ready for the finale this coming Monday, and it's going to be the big showdown between the Zorel, Kara Zorel family, and guess who else? Yeah, it's Nan, and we have Chris Vance on the show with us this week. Chris, how are you doing today? Very well, sis, very well. Um, how are you doing? We're doing very well. So what's it been like gearing up for the finale and leading up to it? Um, for me, not so crazy. I think for, uh, for Melissa and McCard and Kyler and, you know, the whole central cast there, Callista, it's probably been nuts. But um, for me, not so crazy. I kind of, I've kind of uh, done my bit for the season and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of at home chilling out and uh, doing, a, doing a few other things. But for those guys, I imagine it's nuts. For me, it's nuts for that. I get the pleasure of talking to you guys, et cetera, et cetera. There we go. We appreciate that. As a matter of fact, speaking of Nan, when you first see him early in the season, it's kind of easy to draw the conclusion that he's irrational and that he's evil. Then the more you hear from him, especially in the last episode, I mean, despite his methods, he's kind of making a pretty interesting case. So do you think that Nan actually sees himself as evil? I don't think so at all. No, I, I, I really don't. I think he's. Um, I think he sees himself as fulfilling his... Uh, his wife's destiny or his ex-wife's destiny. I think he's fulfilling her passion, her vision. And I think he's truly convicted uh, in the belief that if humanity is removed from the face of the earth in a certain sense, that the earth will be saved. I think it's, it's that simple. He's, he's fulfilling his ex-wife's vision, essentially. Um, and it's a, you know, an interesting philosophical question, and, and, and it makes it really interesting for me to play as a character because... I think one of the unique things that the, the guys have done, Andrew Kreisberg, et cetera, and the whole writing team, is to embrace the fact that, um, you know, it was, it was a sort of Kryptonian fault that uh, the planet of Krypton was destroyed in the past. And, and here's the thing, guys. You know, maybe there is a philosophical parallel with what the human race are doing to the planet Earth at the moment. And I think it's very brave for them to sort of tackle those philosophical issues as an underlying theme that runs through a, a great, you know, fun super, superhero show. I'm glad you brought up Astra because throughout the season we've seen the depths of Kara and Astra's relationship, both on Krypton and on Earth. However, outside of Astra, Nan doesn't really have a special bond with anyone of his kind. So when he used the Black Mercy on Kara, how much of that do you think was due to his possible overall jealousy of her and Astra's bond? I, again, I don't know that it's a jealousy of their bond. I, I pitched it to myself and, you know, playing the thing that, um, you know, he, he holds a deep affection for Kara, um, based on, based on the past. He is, after all, her uncle. I think it's more of, he, 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 you know, he's in a dilemma in which does family become more important than his, his, his wife's vision? And I think at some point, as he gets more and more information, um, throughout the season, he, you know, he, his conviction to fulfill her, uh, Astra's destiny is, is backed up in his own mind. And so is it psychotic behavior? Yeah, sure. Um, but does he have a, a genuine sort of um, crisis of conscience at times? Yep, I think so, because he has feelings for Kara, you know, in terms of 
family connections and admiration and you know, and seeing this young girl grow up into into, into this very powerful young woman and, and but at the same time he can't get past the fact that he wants to save this planet. Like desperately. And that's it that's his primary focus. So I think it's just really interesting writing and it's really interesting to play as a character if you if you embrace all aspects of it. Absolutely. We're talking to Chris Vance, who plays Non on Supergirl. Of course, the finale is going to be this coming Monday, April the 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Now, speaking of some memorable scenes, I think one of the most memorable ones for the both of us was the scene where Astra's body is taken away and Non spoke to Kara about a period of mourning. So not talk about that scene for a, for a minute. And then were there any other scenes that really stood out to you this season? Yeah, yeah, I saw that scene. I, I thought that was a beautiful, beautifully written scene. Um, uh, did you did you did you like it, fellas? Did you sort of? Oh, it was, oh, it was amazing! It, it was, was great. it was great. It was it was great because it felt like a real, true bonding experience between Nan and Kara, given yeah. what we already knew about their their kind of rivalry they were having throughout the season. But it, it was a real beautiful, beautiful moment. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, it stood out for me as you know, sort of genius writing on on part of the part of the team because it, it allows more dimensions to non um, than just being a flat out psychopathic villain, you know, um, and to see those, those elements. And here's the thing, what I love about it is that almost the irony in saying this, every time you see some, some of the humanity in non, who's a Kryptonian who believes that humanity should be wiped out, it becomes really interesting to play. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, since one of the main players in this right now in the season is Indigo, of course, and since Nan brought back Indigo with the uh, the Omega Hedron, uh, she's mm-hmm. been kind of an extension of him. She's been kind of his conscience a little bit, as we saw this week. She's forcing him to see more outside the box in terms of his overall rules of Earth. Why not just the galaxy itself? You have all this power with Myriad. Uh, so knowing she comes from a very calculating race of beings, what are the chances she's using Nan and Myriads themselves as vessels for her and possibly her race's own endgame? Well, I think it's absolutely, you get the nail on my head in terms of what Indigo is up to because I, I, I can only imagine she's, you know, as duplex a character as Nan is and, and she's got her own endgame. Of course she has. And so is she using him? Yes. Is Nan using her? Yes. And again, that, that dynamic is, you know, is um is so fun to play out and and you know there's a, there's an underlying sexuality to that and seduction and um you know all those all those sort of uh vessels that we use to manipulate people um and you know the other thing for me on that note with uh, with playing out with Laura in her blue suit is she's just bloody beautiful so i mean what are you going to do even if you are a superhero <laughs> and you're going to be seduced by that right Exactly. Yeah, definitely, definitely very difficult. Actually, you get to work with a lot of beautiful women on the set, Melissa Benoist being one of them. We got to talk to her a little bit earlier in the season, and she's just so likable and charming, both on and off the screen. So how difficult is it to kind of have to flip that switch and be so intense and angry with her when you're in scenes together? It's often hopeless, because Melissa's just lovely. I mean, you know, we, we sort of crack each other up at times, because, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to do and the way I'm trying, <laughs> so villainous and she's so cute and sort of fluffy and lovely and charming and, and you know strong and all those things I mean it's just half of the time we're, we're up on wires hanging around in the air you know pretending to beat each other up and it, it, it you can't help but laugh really to be honest I mean <laughs> I'm trying to do the job <laughs> so so I gotta ask I gotta ask you this question uh, if you had a choice to either fly anywhere in the universe or rule Earth for a day, which would you choose and why? Oh, that's a great question. I, th- I think I'd leave ruling Earth to people with better minds and better placement to do that. I think I'd fly off around the universe. I'd probably go straight through the Milky Way and keep going and then snap back in some sort of, I don't know, super string theory fashion of transporting and you know go as far as I could and then hopefully just sort of arrived back in the same time that I left. How about that? That's he's a great answer. He's even got the scientific theory behind it, Dan. Listen to that. Wow. <laughs> You've clearly given this some thought. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit sometimes, yeah. <laughs> of course, Supergirl finale is going to be this Monday, April 18th, 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS. We're talking to Chris Vance, who plays Non. And now that Myriad is active, and Non has put Kara in a very unthinkable position with her sister, Without spoiling anything, I know it's going to be tough, but tease a little bit for us. What kind of impacts can we expect for the upcoming season finale? 
the impact basically the way the writers have achieved it as, as far as i can i can you know see and uh, as much as i can give away is they just keep ramping it up for poor old supergirl and she's put to the ultimate test essentially by having to save every man woman and child on the planet if she can um and it doesn't get bigger than that does it fellas really at the end of a end of a fantastic season in the first place um she's really put to the test Chris, as the season wraps up, what are some things you've taken away from your experiences on set, both as an actor and as a person? Um, how uncomfortable it is to wear those rubber jumpsuits um, <laughs> around, about, <laughs> around about the nether regions. It gets real uncomfortable at times, particularly when you've got harnesses and wires going on to it. And uh, so I've taken that away for sure. Um, I've taken away how much fun it is to, to, to you know play superhero villain slash. Um, uh, and just, you know, embracing the challenge that the writers had and the vision that Andrew created for this season, which is to, you know, underlie those philosophical questions about what it is we're doing as a race on the planet. And, and just to tell that with conviction. And so those are the things, those are the challenges, those are the fun parts that I brought away from it. It's been absolutely delightful and, and everybody's been so kind to me. It was a lot of fun. We can definitely echo that sentiment. It's been a fantastic first season. We're actually kind of sad to see it come to an end this coming Monday, April the 18th. We're hoping to see much, much more from Supergirl in the coming years. And, of course, from Chris Vance, who plays Non on the show. Chris, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, guys. I've had a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been delightful. You know, James, after this past week's episode of Supergirl, episode 19, I have no problem kneeling before Non. No, I don't either, and... and as much as it sounds weird because he's trying to wipe out an entire race of people, or at least trying to get them to bow to him, I mean, that speech that he makes in episode 19, we were talking about it off the air, about you know how people are more fixated on reality stars and pop culture yeah, than they are and, actually fixing their problems, it's like, whoa, wait and a when minute. He's- and when he's and when he's controlling, you know, uh, James Olsen and, and and stuff like that, and they're, and they're saying like there has been no racial divide since I've taken over and everything else. Right. Like, it's a it's literally a perfect world. Yes, everybody's kind of like zombied out, but in a sense, he's created the perfect world. And but then you look at the flip side of that, and you're like, you know how messed up it is to get your own <laughs> friends to tell you these things that are right. trying to battle against you. <laughs> right. And the whole scene where you know she falls, uh, the woman falls off the roof, where he kind of throws three, he makes three people jump off the roof. She can only save two, and then they tell her how she couldn't save her. It's like that's messed up. That, but again, that just goes to show how grave a character Nan is, and just how yep. much of a vindictive villain he can be. So, I mean, talking to Chris was just fantastic. I mean, just like great information leading up to the finale of course which is going to be this coming monday the 18th and i'm excited man i really want you know more supergirl episodes and i really really want more i do too and and i really hope that soon we get an official announcement that we've got the renewal for the second season i think it's coming i mean i think that they're you know they're waiting for that big moment where we're like yeah supergirl's renewed i think they're kind of teasing us a little bit over there at cbs so hopefully we get an announcement of the second season renewal soon if you if you haven't seen any of the first season of Supergirl, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, get caught up because it was an amazing season. It's one of those shows that I think we were just kind of waiting for, and, and everybody's been so good on the show. Well, yeah, I, I like when we were talking about the scene, you know, where Astra's body is being, you know, floated off into space pretty much, and they have that, that fu- little funeral and mourning scene between Na and Kara. You know, I, I like that Chris, you know, asked our opinion on it because it was cool because it's like, hey, we get to tell him, like, hey, it was an amazing, touching moment because it was. Like, I almost cried because it was such an amazing and touching moment because, again, I think in, in, in comic book writing and just TV writing, there's no better scene I think you can have than an antagonist and protagonist kind of coming and uniting even for a brief moment over something. Right. You know, whether it's be drastic or what. But the fact that when they open a unite, it's such a magical and even a touching moment at times. Yeah, well. because it, and like he said, it kind of humanized him and showed a different side to Nan at that point because when he was making that speech about how she was he was gonna give her a period of mourning, and you're like, This guy is he does care and he actually has honor because before that you didn't really get the sense of that because they were right. remember, because Astra was the one that kind of seemed to be pulling back and Nan's like, we need to do this. But then in that moment, it's like something changed. So for him to be able to evolve the character like that, bravo to Chris Vance and, and the writers because that was just a phenomenal moment. 
Exactly. And the thing I love, too, is just, you know, when I asked about the whole jealousy aspect of it, because remember, Astro didn't want Carr to be harmed, and Nine went and did the right. whole, you know, he, he, he pretty much trapped her in that Kryptonian dream world and using the Black Mercy, and that got some displeasement. And, and, and it kind of caught a little bit of an ire from Astra he did Definitely. from her. And so it was kind of like, okay, did he see her as like, a, you know, hey, I'm, this is my wife and yes, this is my niece, but I see my niece and my wife have a bond that maybe I don't really have my own wife, you know? And, and it was just, that's why I asked him about that. I loved his answer, by the way. And it was just, you know, it's really cool to, to get into the, 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 not only the mind of an actor, but just, Especially when you're playing a role like Nan, where it's like there's so many multi-layered. Like you don't, you know, what I talked about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Winona Earp. I said it was great having Doc Holliday, that person who's in that area of gray. You know, we have that with Nan, where he's in that. I would say he's not. He was a villain, yes, but he has a lot more gray to him, I think, than people lead on. I actually can't wait to see if we get that Darth Vader moment in the finale where Indigo's about <laughs> to do something and he just kind of picks her up and throws her or something like that. Or you she's know, he has to... that change of heart kind of thing. I know, like she's about to stab Carl like with her fingers and he just like gets in front of her and just takes it, takes the brunt of it. I'm... Now, these aren't spoilers, by the no, way. We have an extra... we are, no. Yeah, so don't think that, oh, just spoiled the finale. No, we didn't do that. This is us just talking. <laughs> no, no, no. This is just two fans we love the show so much, and we just are excited to have Chris Vance on talk about the season finale. Of course, it's going to come out this coming Monday, the April 18th on CBS. So, again, thanks to Chris and thanks to CBS for helping us put this together and talk about Supergirl. And that's going to do it for us here on the Don Neary Podcast. But, hey, guess what? We're all over social media. Just hit us up, facebook.com slash downnerdy. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at downnerdy757. And on Twitter, I'm at Merck with one arm, Mr. Witham. I'm at James Ace with them. Yeah, and if you want to find us online, please do that. DownandNerdyPodcast.com. Got a whole bunch of stuff up there. We review a couple of other comics that we don't review on the show. There's a This Week section. Not only will you get to find out everything that's going on on this week's show and kind of follow along, but get this. You can actually buy the first season of Supergirl digitally right there on our website on the This, on the this Week section, downandnerdypodcast.com. Exactly. Don't forget, May 7th, that's Free Comic Book Day. We're going to be at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards on Aragona Boulevard in Virginia Beach doing a live show. We're going to be broadcasting that show live on Facebook and then May 21st and 22nd. We're going to be at Tidewater Comic Con. We don't know our locations yet, but when we know, we'll tell you. And guess what? We're going to be broadcasting live. We're going to be recording the show as well. We're going to put it on our SoundCloud page. But we're also going to be broadcasting live on both Facebook and on YouTube. So if you can't make it to the con, if you're somebody and you're overseas or in another state, or even if you're in the state of Virginia and you just can't make it to Virginia Beach for Taiwan Comic Con, guess what? We're doing a show live on Facebook and YouTube. So there you go. That's your your gateway to get into the con and get all the access and info that you need and everything that happens at the con. And as always, I leave you with this. Product safe comic book reading. Always beg and board your comics. <laughs>